0: Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show you got in over here with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list they're definitely playing your song when you're with amex it's not if it's going to happen but when american express don't live life without it have you heard amazon is now hiring for their new site opening soon in new albany be one of the first to take advantage of launching a new career at one of the best workplaces in the world Being a part of Amazon includes great benefits and competitive pay, plus many opportunities for advancement. So get a new job today and kickstart a new career tomorrow. Learn more about the perks of working at a new Amazon site. Go
1: to amazon.com slash start now. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Until next, we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. And welcome to a new week here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I am your host, your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until four uh, until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and on... Simul TV Channel 21. If you would like to send me an email exone at exone.radio.tv.com on all social media sites exone radio tv and if you'd like to um, find out about the programming we have available for you on the Exxon broadcast network visit www.xzbn.net on and for the exone TV channel on Simul TV www.simultv.com channel 21. Our guest this hour, x Nation, is Brian Sentes, and he is a scholar and a poet based in Montreal, Quebec. With Susan Palmer, he published a well-received, widely published, and widely taught study of flying saucer religions, the most recent version of which is included in the Cambrian Companion to New Religious Movements. And joining me now from the most beautiful city in the world, Montreal, Quebec, is Brian Sentes. And Brian, welcome to the x Zone. Hello. Good to be here. Nice having you with us. Um, What got you involved into the UFO phenomenon?
2: That's a good question. Um, I think maybe it's like a lot of people, as as a boy, Mm -hmm. of course, I I read a lot of the UFO books. Um, I remember, actually, as a school, we were taken to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. And I remember being glad about how they actually had uh, J. Allen Hynek in the climactic scene at the end. Mm -hmm. I recognized him. And... um, I was nice to sort of see how the aliens were based on the real uh, reports. That was just before high school. And in high school, things sort of faded for a while. But back in the early 90s, uh, when uh, alien abductions were sort of making the news, uh, Mm -hmm. at the time when the Human Genome Project, human cloning, in vitro fertilization were making the news, um, it kind of struck me that the women who were giving the stories of alien abduction under uh, hypnosis, usually... We're actually giving more of a, a dream narrative mm-hmm. that expressed the sort of anxieties and, and aspirations um, around this new technology. And uh, from there, it just occurred to me that, you know, the stories about UFOs and ETs is kind of a, a collective dream, if you will, um, of the anxieties and aspirations of our technological society. So it struck me, you know, like Saul on the road to Damascus in a flash in the early 90s, And uh, I've been sort of, uh, I dived back into it then, uh, delivered that paper that you mentioned at the beginning, back in 2000, Mm -hmm. and I've been working in the field ever since.
1: Now, uh, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, when we talk about UFO religions, there's Heaven's Gate, and of course, uh, here in Canada, there's also the International Raelian Movement. Why do you think these two UFO-based religions, you know, took off so much and why do you know the raelians they still have a worldwide following why are they still able to attract
2: followers well you know that's the argument of the paper we delivered mm-hmm. and uh, as 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 weird and far out and marginal as the raelian belief system is yeah. um at the end of the day it's perfectly in harmony with the values and the world view at the very center of our civilization because what they do is they value science above all. Mm-hmm. They see technology as ultimately solving all of the problems that technology leads to. And their worldview is one which is purely imminent. There's no more uh, supernatural realm. There's no more transcendent realm. Everything happens within nature, um, which is true in its own weird way in the new age, where there's different sort of levels of uh, vibratory energy. I think there's 14 of them. Um, so that's, that would be the main reason as well, they're a, a fun-loving bunch. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you know about the Raelians, uh, but bit. they place a great value on sexual freedom.
1: Yeah, they certainly so do.
2: I, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt that's a selling point.
1: Um, how many different UFO-based religions are there?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, there are, I could probably, there's the Raelians, there's mm-hmm. Unarius, there's a Sirius. there's the I Am, these are the ones I know, of course, Heaven's right. Gate, as you mentioned. Yeah. There's the Ashtar Command, so there's sort of the sort of uh, channeling groups. And there, there are many others um, that are very, very small. Um, and then with the advent of the Internet, a lot of them have been sort of had more of a digital profile right. than a, a physical profile. Um, so in terms of like strictly flying saucer religions, mm-hmm. that's a good question. There's, there's, there's at least a dozen, probably more. Uh, but my research has sort of focused more on the UFO phenomenon in general than the very, very specific religious uh, expressions.
1: So based on your research, are UFOs, those little lights in the sky that many people claim that they come from the Pleiades or some other far-out planet across, or across the universe, based on your research and your studies, are they real or are they a figment of our imagination based on the technological presence and where we are in today's societies with our stresses and everything else that goes along with day-to-day
2: living. Well, I'd have to say probably both in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you know, a figment of the imagination is real too. Uh, I I know I'm playing with the words a little bit there. Right. Um, If you're asking, are they spaceships from Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades? Yes. I, okay, I find that highly dubitable uh, for a number of reasons that we might get into. Um, I think it truly is the case that at the, at the end of the day, uh, I agree with Jacques Vallée that there is a, a hardcore, mysterious, real, physical phenomenon. Uh, what it is, is a very good question. Um, it is both physical and sort of uh, transcendent in a way that it kind of plays with the rules of, of physics in, in strange ways. Um, But at the end of the day, it's probably a a, a great mix of, uh, as you as you remarked, um, our uh, technologically based uh, anxieties and aspirations projected onto um, things that we see in the sky, lights we can't identify. Um, And then amid all that is certainly something very, very strange um, that whose nature I, I, I do not know.
1: Without any substantial proof or any physical proof, why do people believe in something that can't be proven?
2: Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think the reason is going to be a a kind of a psychological or emotional Mm -hmm. reason. Um, Unconsciously, what's happening here is that we see ourselves. We see what we want to be. We see what we imagine ourselves to be. In these stories, so in the 1950s and 60s, when flying saucers were landing primarily in, in Europe, right, uh, and the little little guys came out in their diving suits, taking uh, uh, soil samples and plant samples. Well, this sort of uh, was an image that we were to see on the moon later, and and things that we imagined that we would be doing on Mars in the near future. Um, so in this way, it's a, got a lot to do with like projection. Um, that would be my nutshell explanation.
1: Okay. Um, but, you know, when we look at the UFO phenomenon, we, we have people who then take it from just the UFO aspect, and then there's contact, then there's alien abductions. You've got the men in black, the, the hypothetical situation where there are UFOs and extraterrestrials in Area 51. How did it grow so much?
2: Oh, this, this is a beautiful story. <laughs> um, that, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's an authoritative answer that mm. anyone can give you. Uh, the last thing it is, is uh, aliens with underground bases working yeah. with American scientists to develop uh, anti-gravity technology, um, Stephen Greer notwithstanding. Um, what is the case, and you get this in a great book by Mark Pilking, Pilkington, called uh, Mirage Men, um, is it becomes very clear very quickly that the American Air Force, at the very least, uh, picked up on the UFO mythology and began to use it uh, for various uh, intelligence ends. So, for example, um, there's the very sad story of Paul Benevitz.
1: All right, what we're Uh, going to do here is I'm just going to hold you off here. I have to take my first break. And uh, it's a bit of a cliffhanger. Let's look at it this way, ExoNation. ExoNation, our guest this hour is Brian Sentez. He is in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And if you'd like to find out more about Paul, uh, Brian, visit his website at www.skunkworksblog.com. That's www.skunkworksblog.com. And Brian and I will be back on the other side of this very short commercial break as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Dunk away. ExoNation, Brian Sentez is our special guest this hour, www.skunkworksblog.com. Uh, Brian, before we went to the break, uh, we you just started to tell us a very interesting story, and if you would please continue that story.
2: Yeah, it's a very well-known story. Uh, Paul Benevitz was a contractor with the American Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived near um, an American Air Force base near Dolce, New Mexico. Um, he began to pick up strange radio signals on his equipment, and to see strange lights in the mountains near the Air Force base. Um, he contacted the Air Force base to let them know about this, um, and they told him uh, that it was actually aliens. Um, <laughs> it turned out that, in fact, they were testing very highly top-secret communications uh, technology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so rather than reveal that, they fed him this line. Um, sadly, it uh, led to Paul Benevitz having a kind of a, a nervous breakdown oh, no. at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's, it's a very, a very very sad story. There's there's a book all about it whose author eludes me right now. Uh, Project, oh heck, Project Blue something. I'd have to look it up, I'm sorry. No problem. Um, at any rate, so I think that the, the stories about uh, crashed UFOs, retrieved UFOs, uh, ending abductions and so on, mm-hmm. this is a mythology that really only occurs in the 1980s and then with a a fury in the 1990s and it had a lot to do with apparently a kind of a either a misinformation or disinformation campaign or a ploy by some members of the ufo community to make a buck yeah Um, i've heard both stories um and it's good it's good it's good it's a good story um you know it it makes it into the films now it It sure does yeah So uh, I think that's that's where that comes from. That's where these stories come from. And I know that some people would disagree with me, but (laughs) it seems the more rational explanation to me. It does,
1: it does. But you see, rationality and ufology doesn't go together.
2: (laughs) Well, ufology, like a lot of uh, disciplines, if Mm -hmm. we can call it a discipline, includes a lot of kinds of people. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> On the one hand, like I say, you've got um, uh, real hardcore researchers like uh, Peter Sturrock, who mm-hmm. is a physicist, uh, Jacques Vallée, whom I tend to respect a great deal, uh, Jalen Hynek ha- himself, again, uh, uh, an academic, um, and then other people. Um, I won't name many names, uh, but they're given to sort of more extreme mm-hmm. uh, uh, views and yeah. more fictitious views, to my mind. Um, it's It's as it's, yes, it's as a group of people, it itself is a very interesting topic for a sociological study. Um, there's a, a, a scholar in England who just uh, published a book, uh, and he hung out with uh, Whitley Streber and company, and uh, a couple other UFO and New Age groups. Uh, David Ike, for mm-hmm. example, is kind of an ethnological study. Um, that, that's very, very interesting. And sort of, sort of see what people believed, why they believed it, he was actually able to hand out uh, surveys to sort of find out some information. Um, So it's uh, irrational. But human beings are irrational, right, by their by their by their very nature. You know, one thing that caught the American government by surprise when the Soviet Union collapsed
0: was. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
2: <laughs> the fact that they believed, because so many of them were born again Christians, that the Russians were the Gog and Magog of the Book of Revelations, and they were going to lead to World War III and the return of Christ. So it's not just ufology that's got um, people with less than rational beliefs in it.
1: Well, you see, uh, religion's been around a lot longer than ufology has been. And and I've got my own little idea of the UFO conspiracy. You see, I I don't think it's the government that is perpetrating or maintaining a conspiracy or, or the church, the Vatican, or any other organization except the UFO community. Because as long as there's a conspiracy in place, they do not have to provide any proof because the truth is being hidden and suppressed. Therefore, the, the, the organizational structure of the uh, of ufology continues and cannot be debated.
2: Well, the beautiful irony of your, of your theory there is that if you go, say, to the Disclosure website that's mm-hmm. run by Stephen Greer and yeah. company, uh, they have hundreds and hundreds of so-called whistleblowers. Uh, the great irony is that, first of all, look, this idea of, of a cover-up mm-hmm. and eventual disclosure goes back to the earliest days of the modern era. Uh, Donald Kehoe's very first book, The Flying Saucers Are Real, mm-hmm. uh, points this out, and he wrote a book called The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. Um, and so what's strange is there's always been this idea that the, the government knows what's going on. The Air Force knows what's going on. They're not telling us, but they're, they're going to slowly reveal it to us. While at the same time, you have this story mm-hmm. right, of the cover-up being told to Donald yeah. Kehoe by insiders. You have these files being leaked, being discovered, being released under the Freedom of Information Act. You have these whistleblowers. This is one of the worst-kept secrets um, in, in, in the history of the world. Oh, all right, world. but
1: let, let's be honest. In today's society, if, let's say, a country unfriendly to the United States wanted to have such an effect on the political, uh, the political arena and cause total distrust within the United States, all they would have to do is hack into the U.S. computers, find unequivocal proof that UFOs are real, and release it. But that hasn't happened, and, and I don't give Stephen Greer very much credit. <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't. And all his little whistleblowers and all the little people who, who say that the government is out to get them, I think that these people need psychological help, not by the woo-woos on the Internet. I mean hardcore
2: mental practitioners because I think <laughs> they have screw looses. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I agree. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think the whistleblowers are really revealing anything. Yeah. Um, and if they are, uh, they're either they're either uh, well again it's, it's hard to say yeah, it is. either either they're lying they're fabulating they've been they've been lied to right um, but keep in mind there was a very famous case of a British hacker a few years ago uh, who did were claimed to have broken into I think NASA and downloaded precisely the kind of information you're talking about but of course that's the kind of honeypot that if you were Um, an IT specialist you'd want to have in place precisely for the people who go looking for it.
1: But we also know for a fact that China and Russia have hacked into the U.S. government computers. Yes. And they have released very damaging information. So, and I'm sure the U.S. is no better when it comes to hacking other countries' computers that, you know, if they found the information that, let's say, Russia or China was suppressing the truth about UFOs, that there would be hackers who would release it. It just
2: doesn't make sense. Yeah. On the one hand, you know, uh, the people who believe in the conspiracy, they've Mm -hmm. always got an answer to that. Oh, sure they do. And and one answer is that the Russians and the Chinese and the Americans are all in cahoots (laughs) with with the aliens. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you know... Uh, the Russians and Chinese or any other uh, unfriendly foreign power doesn't need to turn the people against the American government. Uh, one of the really unnerving aspects of this whole uh, story is the way that the uh, UFO conspiracy community uh, dovetailed in with the sort of militia movement, right, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The people involved with Waco and the uh, Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. Timothy McVeigh, in the days leading up to his execution, Watched the film Contact six times, um, and of course the the um, the locus classicus, as we learned people would say, <laughs> is of course Bill Cooper's uh, Behold a Pale Horse, Behold oh, a yeah. pale rider, right? Um, this book from 1990, which is the a nightmare synthesis of precisely this anti-government, posse comitatus uh, militia movement mentality with the UFO alien abduction um,
1: uh, conspiracy sure. theory,
2: but, and that's still with us. But let's
1: face uh, let's face it, Brian. Today, that sells. Follow the money. There is money being made by the people who who write the books about government conspiracies and cover-ups. There is money that is being made at these exhibitions and these symposiums and these lectures around the United States and everywhere else. You know, David Icke has just released his film, for goodness sake, that's coming up. There's big money in ufology. There's big money in the para, uh, para-tourism industry these days. I think there's more snake oil being sold today within
2: the UFO community than there is any credibility. Well this is very interesting. Uh, I think on the one hand, someone like David Icke is a very special uh case. He's, uh, he's a wingnut he, i'm I'm sorry, oh yes, yes. I just mean in terms of yeah. his commercial success yeah that's all I mean. Well, Stanton Friedman um, Stanton makes that, a killing. did he make a killing? Oh
1: he, he's retired now. Oh he's making a killing every time he you know he's flown places he's you know he's put up in hotels he's you know his his accommodations and his meals are paid for, and he gets a speaker's fee
2: well, you see. Uh, granted uh, that there are pe- that there are people like that. Mm-hmm. I also, as you as you as you know, am a poet. I know right. the Canadian literary world, and for every Michael Ondaatje, uh there are thousands of people uh, struggling and working other jobs yeah. <laughs> to pursue their art. And I think it's very much the same in, in ufology. For those who are, who who make some money out of it, what's more interesting is it as a kind of uh, social movement. What is interesting, I'm reading uh, uh, Kripal's and, Kripal, I don't know his, how to pronounce his name, uh, Kripal's and uh, Stryber's Supernatural. All right, supernatural we've got to take, right take
1: that break again, so please stand by. Exonation. Yeah. Brian Sentes is our special guest this hour. If you'd like to find out more about Brian, visit his website at www.skunkworksblog.com. Don't forget, the X-Chronicles newspaper is available for one and all online with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. To find out all about the Exxon Broadcast Network and our 24-7, 365 broadcast schedule, go to www.xzbn.net. And around the world on the Exxon TV channel, on Simul TV Channel 21. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Genics, author of a fascinating book, Amen. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Sentez is our special guest. His website is skunkworksblog.com. You know, speaking about David Icke, not only does he have his movie coming out, uh, I believe the trailer is available, and he's going to be uh, hitting the theaters uh, in the very near future. I, I remember doing my show from, uh, let me see, uh, News Talk 610, CKTV in St. Catharines, where I was the executive producer of programming. And I would do the, the x Zone from 10 o'clock at night to 2 o'clock in the morning over there. And David Ike was going to be a, a guest on my show. I had the Niagara Regional Police contact me to see if he was going to be actually in St. Catharines. And I said, no, it's going to be a telephone interview. And I said uh, to the officer, I said, is there a problem? He said, if there wasn't a problem, I would not be calling you. <laughs> okay. I said, no, sir, it's going to be a telephone interview. And he said, all right, um, you know, we just want to make sure. Well... I came to the station about an hour and a half prior to my show, and there was an unmarked police car with two police detectives in front of the station for the duration of the show.
2: Interesting. Um, I do know that he was recently barred from speaking in Australia yeah. because of um, uh, supposed anti-Semitic remarks. Mm-hmm. His, mm-hmm. his 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 anti-Semitism is is questionable and problematic. Um, but he sells, he's making money
1: with this. Yes. It's a shtick. And yes. you, know, you know, earlier you were talking about how hard authors work and there's, you know, that you've got the odd author who, who makes it and then you've got thousands who don't. And my heart goes out to them because I know for a fact, there are a lot of great authors out there who don't get the break they need. However, in the UFO community, there are dedicated TV channels spreading their, 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 their work creating the demand for these speakers, creating the demand for their books, creating the demand for them to have public appearances. Authors don't have that.
2: Well, we we do, but not in quite the same way, because our medium Mm -hmm. is a little old-fashioned in that regard. Um, Although, on the other hand, I mean, just to quickly remark, there are some poets, uh, Instagram poets is what they're called, uh, and they publish their work online and they have sales of their poetry books in literally in the millions. Mm-hmm. OK, so they're very rare again. And yeah. that's because of a, a medium, a media shift. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, though, I mean, on the one hand, you're perfectly correct. There is uh, this sort of commodity side, right? yeah. this commercial side of the ufological, um, which I must I, I have to argue it, at the end of the day, it pales compared to the kind of money that men in black <laughs> or uh but, but yeah, I, 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 I understand it in, right? but
1: but hollywood uh, is all part of the media and when hollywood produces something there's a lot of spin-offs and a lot of these spin-offs can be found in today's ufo community like oh, yes. Daryl sims uh let me see who else can uh, you know and people like sims um, and and i could go on and on i've been doing this show now for 30 years five nights a week 4 hours a night you know, it's, it's, and I, people say, well, Rob, how come you do your show if you don't believe? I'm looking for the truth. Yes. Plain and simple. If it's there, let's find it. If
2: not, let's expose it. Well, the, you know, the, what's interesting for me is that is it, is the truth is the social phenomenon. Exactly. Right? That, that's what's really quite striking. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, right, following Jacques Vallée and yeah. others, like Peter Sturrock, um, if hardcore physicists who've uh, done, done their homework. Mm. There, there is sometimes some real physical phenomenon at work, which is poorly understood. One can even point to the Hestelen lights in, in Scandinavia, which has been studied, but we're no near uh, understanding what's going on there. Right. But of course, for me, at the end of the day, what's interesting is precisely uh, the, 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 the social interest. Why does this cell... Why has this grabbed um, our imaginations now increasingly in a worldwide way? And even more so, as I was referring earlier to uh, the book by Whitley Strieber and Jeffrey, you know how his name is pronounced? I'm sorry, Kripal. No, I don't. I'll call him, I'll call him Jeffrey Kripal. He's a scholar of religion. It's the supernatural. Why the unexplained is real. Yeah. Um, and Whitley Strieber remarks about the, the, the hundreds of thousands of letters he received From people who claim to have had the same experiences that he claims to have had.
1: But once again, the number of letters that he claims to have received were never authenticated.
2: I grant, but what is the case is that even a Gallup poll Mm -hmm. will reveal Mm -hmm. that most people, you know, believe, right, how seriously or not, that, you know, half of people believe that. Flying saucers are spaceships from outer space, and there are non human intelligences but, in the universe, some of which are are interacting with us.
1: But we all and know This is interesting. We all know that any pole can be skewed to give any result that the pollster wants.
2: Okay, now, on the one hand, you're perfectly correct. I Mm -hmm. mean, if you look at the questions that are asked and the assumptions that are behind the questions, there's a lot of head-scratching and brow-furrowing that that we can do. Sure. On the other hand, I think it is the case that this kind of response has been fairly consistent since the earliest stage of the phenomenon, uh, especially in the United States. Uh, Europe is a little different, but not that different. Um, And if it weren't the case that these stories were so complex compelling in their own way then the et wouldn't be as ubiquitous as it is but we
1: can say the same thing about santa claus at christmas time the easter bunny at easter the leprechauns uh, on uh, saint patrick's day you know the list goes on and on and on once again uh, it's 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 a sociological event that is based on no proof
2: Oh, well why, why does it have to be based on proof well because but how do you know if well, it's there's real more there's more proof for UFOs than there is for Santa Claus where's the proof I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry for your where wheres where's the proof where's the proof yeah <laughs> all the stories that have been have come out um, over the past decades that's not the proof. photographs the photographs fake or or not fake yeah. good question um, the the will to believe is much stronger for these things. And keep in mind that the ET and the UFO is with us year round, as opposed mm-hmm. to Santa Claus who, and the Easter Bunny who visit us once a year, um, as well, them leprechauns, mm-hmm, uh, mm. they are, you know, arguably part and parcel of the same phenomenon. Well, um, I don't know. and I'm I not I the first one to make that point. Uh, you see, I don't buy it. I really don't.
1: <laughs> be, be, as, as an ex police detective, mm-hmm. I want facts. I don't go on hearsay evidence because anybody can concoct these stories to give themselves a little bit of fame. Hey, Joe, you know what I saw the other night? My wife and I were driving along the shore, uh, lake shore in Toronto. We looked up in the sky and, my God, Joe, there was a UFO. We saw it, Joe. It was round. There were little lights. There were people inside. We saw this, Joe. Mm -hmm. The story starts.
2: Well, Wait. On the one hand, some people will say that, will make up that story for the sake of making up that story, Mm -hmm. but do you believe that everyone who tells such a story is merely uh, making up a story for the sake of making up a story?
1: What I believe is that they are seeing something they cannot explain. Therefore, they create their own scenario based on what they're seeing and bring it into the life and bring it into the realm of their reality based on other information that they've heard of similar circumstances.
2: Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, what, what you're putting forward here, ufologists call this psychosocial hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for this reason that in the 1890s, right, there were strange lights in the sky over California, yeah. and people thought they were quote-unquote airships. Yeah. Um, you know, people will see a strange ball of light Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to some people it will be a, a, a UFO, other people that might be an angel, other people that might be a ghost and so on. On the other hand, um, if you think back to the, uh, Fatima event of 1917, Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. thousands of people all saw an event, Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. saw something, Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know what it was. It's unexplained, Mm -hmm. okay, and and the the more responsible, I guess, among us would would, would leave it there. So, well, it's unexplained. But it bears a tremendous resemblance to uh, what today we would call a UFO event. There was a a spinning disc of many colors. Uh, There was heat effects. There was what was later called angel hair. Um, And this was witnessed by thousands of people uh, of all walks of life, and uh, it was even photographed. So what what's going on there? I don't know. Is it someone from the Pleiades pretending to be the Virgin Mary? I don't think so. But there's something happening there. And that that's those are the really interesting cases. And it's at the end of the day that those of us who, you know, look into the history mm-hmm. of the phenomenon, uh, we have to come to some conclusion, that, you know, there, there's something going on. We don't know what it is. What is interesting for me is precisely what you pointed out, is the way that um, we interpret it according to a certain uh, frame of reference. And that frame of reference is what's so important to me, right? Because it's this assumption that there's a, such a thing as, quote-unquote, intelligent life in the universe. Intelligent life mm-hmm. necessarily develops a technology just like us. So what we have in this sort of interpretive frame is this projection of Our own value system.
1: All right, stand by. I've got to take my final break. We'll be back on the other side. Nation, if you'd like to get more information about our guest this hour, visit his website, www.skunkworksblog.com. I'm Rob McCottle. This is the Exxon. And if you'd like to check out the broadcast schedule with the other great shows we have on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.com. I'm sorry, xzbn.net. And for all the programming that we have available for you on the Exxon TV channel, go to Simul TV, check out channel 21. We'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with our very special guest of this hour from the beautiful city of Montreal, Quebec, Brian Santos. Don't go away. Brian Sentis is our special guest, and first of all, Brian, I want to thank you ever so much for coming on the show. I have thoroughly enjoyed our hour together, and I want to thank you for the great work that you do. Oh,
2: thank you very much. i enjoyed it very much myself so far, indeed.
1: (laughs) So far. No surprises.
2: (laughs) Uh, Listen, Brian, is it possible
1: that why ufology is so predominant these days is because people have lost faith in the established religious philosophies that have kept them going for so long?
2: Oh, you know that's that's a very very interesting uh, observation here in Quebec, mm-hmm. uh, where you were, I think you were raised here. If that's I remember right. correctly, that's right. yeah. you remember yeah. there was this thing called the Quiet Revolution. Um, Quebec used to be dominated by the Roman Catholic Church into mm-hmm. the 1950s, and then it sort of threw that off, and now it's a very secular society. But it's also the province with the highest uh, number of new religious movements, um, and perhaps the same thing is going on in general, as you point out that. The UFO, as a kind of uh, uh, transcendent image, as uh, perhaps carrying UFOnauts who mm-hmm. come from more advanced civilizations that have gone through the problems that we are suffering right now, uh, they're coming to give us answers uh, that we need. Um, they're something supernatural, although they're technological. Um, and so surely it is the case that with the sort of uh, loss of traditional religions, um, although that's even debatable at a certain point, um, but but you're right, with the kind of more secular society we have in the so-called West, UFOs certainly serve of a religious function in that way, either in the kind of the New Age way that we had with George Adamski and so on in the 1950s with the Space Brothers, these right. tall blonde dudes coming out of the flying saucers, mm-hmm. Um or with sort of people like, uh, the E SETI, with James, I think it's James Gilliland and so yeah. on, or Stephen Greer too. There's a weird sort of mixture of sort of new age spirituality and uh, sort of uh, UFO paranoia conspiracy theory. It's, it's a very, very interesting and heady mix. Um, but at the end of the day, notice that we're simply projecting what we think we are beyond where we are. In other words, this has been my, my thesis for, for years now, Mm -hmm. the flying saucer is something technological is a sign that technology will solve the problems technology leads to. And that I find a deeply problematic and deeply disturbing assumption. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, we're ending up with a kind of uh, a sense that, well, if it can be done, it will be done. It
1: also brings you to the point where I believe that humans are realizing that, hey, we're expendable. Comput- uh, in what sense? Well, computers are going to take over. You've got artificial intelligence. You've got robots taking over uh, the, uh, the manufacturing industry. You've got yes. ATMs taking over the banking industry.
2: Well, you know, that's yeah, what it's- the, Yeah, it's true. I sometimes think the banks should pay me for doing the teller's job. Um, That's a good idea. I'm going to vote yeah, I think for you. It is. <laughs> you know the uh, Raelians, they mm-hmm. have a kind of a uh, political arm called Paradise Paradism. I think it is, and they embrace uh, automation. They think that robots will do all of our work, and we will be given a, a wonderful world of uh, leisure and yeah. uh, paradisal material wealth, resulting.
1: Yeah. Well. I, uh,
3: I, yeah,
2: yeah. See, it's funny. I, I teach college,
3: mm-hmm, and
2: mm-hmm. Uh, my students. You know, they're, they're young people, they're yeah. 18, 19. And I ask them, you know, why does technology change? And they say, well, it just advances, you know, as, as if it's like the seasons changing. I say, no, no. It, you know why it changes? Investment. Technology is not something out of our control. It's something that, and we were talking about this earlier when it talks about making money. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Bill Gates. Let's talk, let's talk about Mark Zuckerberg. Big time. Let's talk about Google and DeepMind and AI. Mm-hmm. Why are these things being developed? Money. Money's going into it for the sake of money. Um, and I think this is what gets occluded, uh, dangerously so, well, look, in the imagination of the UFO. Well, look, look at uh, look at
1: GM. Their profits soared as soon as they went to robotics and got rid of the manual labor.
2: You know, it's funny, that has been a problem since the, the Industrial Revolution. You might remember there were these people called the frame breakers in the 18th century, and they were called frame breakers because they were the people who used to do the weaving, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they were put out of work by the power, power looms. Yep. And they would break into the in, into the factories and break the frames of the power looms. So automation has been a problem for a long time. You know, we don't mourn the fact that there aren't any typewriter repairmen, or VHS repairmen anymore. Um, And often it's the case that new jobs open up when old sort of manual jobs fall away. It's just that now things are happening so quickly uh, with globalization, things are exacerbated in a certain way. And so we're a lot more uneasy about automation, especially as it moves into say the newsroom, right? There are AIs uh, which can write very, very simple sports stories now, for Mm -hmm. example. And uh, people in the humanities, people like lawyers, for example, are like AI because it can help get, a lot of, get rid of a lot of the drudge yeah. work that goes into it. But on the other hand, what happens to the people who want an articling position in a, in a legal firm? Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a persistent problem. I guess we'll have to ask the people from Zeta particularly or the Pleiades um, how they solved it. Uh,
1: two things. Number one, what is your opinion of Roswell? Give me, give me an idea within two minutes because I wanted to get you to read us a poem.
2: Oh well, I don't know if I can read you a poem about Roswell, but I can read you a poem about flying saucers.
1: All right, read us a fly. I'll read us a poem about flying saucers. Then okay. I'll ask you,
2: well, this, you about this, Roswell. This is from the work in project, All right, in progress. Okay, flying saucers. Tuesday, three in the afternoon, the twenty fourth of June, nineteen forty seven. Kenneth Arnold of Boise, rescue pilot, businessman, deputy sheriff, and federal marshal, U.S. Forest Serviceman. At nine thousand feet, crystal clear conditions alone in his call air between Cajalas and Yakima, an hour's detour searching for a lost transport. Out of the blue, a flash like just before a mid-air crash made him look left, north of Mount Rainier, to see, at 90 degrees, nine seeming jet planes in a V pointed south. The echelon vaguely bobbing and weaving, flashing reflections, 24 miles off, against Rainier's snows, tailless, flying the nearly 40 miles between Mounts Rainier and Adams, three times the speed of sound. The first crossed the ridge bridging the mountains as the last came over its north crest five miles back. Nine crescents needing to be half a mile long to be seen, flying that fast, that far away. So smooth, mirroring sunlight, like speedboats on rough water, wavering information, like the tail of a Chinese kite, wings tipping, flashing blue, white, each like a saucer skipped over water, a L- little faster than I normally read it, but we only have two minutes. so yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much for reading that. And where can people,
2: where, where can people get copies of your book? Oh, that's a good question. Well, you can go to Amazon, but mm-hmm. I, I prefer you go to my publisher. It's DC Books. Amazon is evil, they use slave labor. Go to DC Books, or you can Google Poeta Doctus P O E T A D O C T U S. That's my poetry website, and there's a page there with links to all of the books I've published. Grand Gnostic Central is the name of the book with that poem, mm-hmm. and there's another book with some UFO poems called Ledonian Magnitudes, and they're both from D.C. books here in Montreal.
1: Quick question. Uh, what is your opinion of the, the, the alleged crash of a UFO in Roswell, New Mexico?
2: I think it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful myth, and I love the fact that uh, it's well. And there's a wonderful expression called sub-rosa, which goes back to the Rosicrucians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, I think it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful myth. And it's part of this, what Jung called, a modern myth of things seen in the sky or that crash in the sands of New Mexico.
1: We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, what are your final thoughts? What are your final words to the worldwide exonation Nation tonight?
2: Oh, well, I would say, <laughs> oh boy, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, come to my blog, uh, Skunkworks, <laughs> skunkworksblog.com, because there I'm actually able to sort of set out these ideas in much more detail and with other links to sort of more pertinent information. I think the phenomenon is very, very important. Mm-hmm. It's as important as it is marginal and weird and far out, and it points to what's at the center and the heart of our society um, in ways which are very, very informative, illuminating, and distressing.
1: As I said earlier tonight, my friend, it's it's been a wonderful experience having you on the show. I would love to have you back on in the future so we can discuss further topics. Um, But for now, you and I must say so long before we do. Let our listeners give our listeners your website again. And why did you call it Skunk Works?
2: Oh, Skunkworks is of course where uh, Lockheed yeah. works on its uh, yeah, that's why I called it because okay. it's because it's a work in progress. I see. right, just like Lockheed.
1: And your website one more time? Is skunkworksblog.com. Brian, take care of yourself. It's been a great pleasure talking to you and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon.
2: Indeed. À plus tard. À plus tard. À plus tard. À plus tard.
1: C'est ça. Exonation will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Brian Sentes, visit his website at www.skunkworksblog.com. Hmm. Are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Send me an email, exxon at I'm Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.